it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. You guys, it's stressful trying to buy a house right now. If you've attempted this process, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The housing market in Colorado is crazy. Let my friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier take the burden off this extremely difficult process for you. They're going to alleviate so much stress, just take some of that worry off of your plate. Chevalier Mortgage's ultimate goal is to take the stress out of buying and refinancing. They strive to give their borrowers options with their full financial picture in mind with the highest level of integrity, always putting their borrowers first. Mike and Virginia are also proud DNVR members. They're CSU alumni. They work nights. They work weekends to make sure their clients are getting the best loan for their situation. As mortgage brokers, they're able to shop over a dozen lenders with many different products to find the right fit for you. They want their borrowers to know who they're working with and not feel bounced around. They take the time to help their borrowers be as informed as they want every step of the way. And like I said, Mike and Virginia, they're going to take that burden off of you so you can focus on your home being a home, not just a house. They have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and sort of win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. Tell them Justin from DNVR Rams sent you, or you can always visit dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Cool, 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 cool. It's around 5 p.m. Mountain Time on Saturday, August 14th, the first of two podcasts that I'm going to record today. On this first one, we're going to talk about Adam Prentice and Josh Watson primarily. Played really, really well for the Denver Broncos in their opening preseason game against the Minnesota Vikings today. Uh, Also going to talk about the schedule releases, at least the conference game schedule releases for both CSU men's basketball as well as CSU women's basketball. And then on the second podcast, going to talk a little bit about the fall camp uh, first scrimmage today for CSU football. Unfortunately, that one was not open to the media, so we weren't able to watch that. They did have a media session post-game, which was uh, nice of them. I unfortunately wasn't able to attend that, but I did get audio from Steve Adazio talking about it, uh, courtesy of my friends Kevin Lytle and Eddie Hers. They obviously cover CSU for the uh, Coloradoan and Loveland reporter Harold, respectively. Obviously would have liked to have been there, had some personal stuff that I had to take care of. But, you know, regardless, like I said, it wasn't open to the media, so the takeaways really wouldn't have been all that different. All we have to go off of is, you know, the word of of Steve Adazio and how things went in, in his eyes. Still grateful that they have, you know, some media availability. But 
I just figured, you know, might as well start with the game that we actually could watch, and that was obviously the Broncos and Vikings preseason contest. Really, really solid showing. I mean, if you would have asked me a week ago, I think I would have told you the thing that I would have been most excited about would have been the opportunity to see Warren Jackson. He just wasn't getting a ton of looks in Denver, and obviously, you know, he ended up getting cut, signed with the Vikings five days ago. Didn't see a ton of him today. I guess I'll just start with that right away. You know, I was hoping, you know, that it might be the the Warren Jackson revenge game where he gets a touchdown against the Broncos or something. I mean, I'm a Broncos guy through and through. My family's long been season ticket holders, but I mean, it's preseason, so the results obviously don't matter when it comes to final score. Just want the CSU guys to perform well. From the Vikings side of things, that, that didn't really happen. Don't have an official snap count or anything at this point. That'll probably be online by tomorrow, so we can go back and briefly revisit it in a day or two, but I, I don't think Warren even got any snaps out there today. Was looking for him, didn't see him. It's not it's not shocking, you know. He only signed five days ago to come in that quickly and, and pick up the system, maybe asking a little bit too much. I imagine we'll see a lot more of him in week two, given that there's only three preseason games, you know, next week, probably pretty important for Warren at this point. Probably looking like he's going to be a practice squad guy at least this season. But that's not the end of the world. You know, a lot of guys start on the practice squad as, you know, we've talked about in in the past, Shaq Barrett, obviously, you know, he made an initial impact in preseason, grinded it out through the practice squad, and ultimately, you know, went on to become an all-pro pass rusher and a standout player, performed really well in Denver, but, you know, really making a name for himself in Tampa Bay. Warren has the size He has the skills, he has the attitude and the work ethic to make it work. It's probably just going to be a matter of patience. And, you know, in in hindsight, probably wish that he would have started in a camp that wasn't as loaded at wide receiver. I mean, we knew coming in that Denver would be somewhat of a tough situation just because they had like five guys that that were essentially locks to make the roster. And then even beyond that, there were a couple of guys that the Broncos had invested draft capital in and, and Tyree Cleveland and Seth Williams. And then, you know, the other people that are really ultimately hurting the hurting Warren's chances, like, you know, Trinity Benson, a guy that had two touchdowns today, played really, really, really well. But he also brings an element in the return game, you know, that helps his cause. That's not something Warren can do. He can, you know, go out there as a blocker, but he's not a guy that's going to return punts for you. He doesn't have the speed for it. And that's fine, you know, that's that's not his game. It's never been his game and never will be his game. But it was just a situation where Denver, at least this year, you know, they they really didn't need that type of wide receiver. They have Tim Patrick, they have Cortland Sutton. Both of those guys are going to be free agents in the near future. So I, you know, I talked about it could help Warren the cause down the line. But just in terms of seeing the field this year, it was always going to be an uphill battle for Warren, at least now in Minnesota, even though he didn't get any snaps today he still probably has a better shot at getting onto the field at some point this season, assuming that's where he ends up staying. If not, you know, maybe in a different camp somewhere else, maybe he gets brought back to Denver. But there's 16 practice squad spots for NFL teams, and because of that, I'm pretty sure that Warren is is going to be in an NFL camp somewhere this fall. Looked pretty good in practice in, you know, the, the limited time that he was with the Vikings this week, especially against the Broncos, and then in his own reps, Saw a couple of of different tweets from Vikings reporters just showing videos of Warren making plays, had a couple of touchdown catches. You know, they were 
kind of ooing and aahing over his size. They've got speed. They don't really have a guy like him, though. And so, you know, I just, I hope it works out. You know, we're all rooting for Warren, one of the really good guys that have come through the program over the last couple of years. Deserved a lot more success when he was here, but really a great representative of CSU, as is Ola B.C. Johnson, who obviously missed this game. He tore his ACL a couple of weeks back. Really a Really just an unfortunate situation. He's another guy that I really would have been looking forward to watching in this matchup under normal circumstances, you know, assuming he would have been healthy. But, you know, we wish BC well. It's, it's going to be tough coming back in a contract year next year. It's going to be a situation where he's really going to have to prove himself. But you still have the benefit of the Kubiak connection. You know, I tweeted about that when Warren Jackson signed with the Vikings. BC's been really open about his connection with the Kubiak family was really, really excited going into this season with Clint Kubiak taking over as OC. You know, kind of talked about how it was a little bit of the old school mixed with the new school. Thought it was going to do really big things for the Vikings offense. It's unfortunate that he got hurt, but he is in, you know, good standing with the organization. They trust him. He's the guy that they put on the field when Adam Thielen went down a couple of different times. And all of that holds weight. You know, it's it's unfortunate that he's going to miss this season, but a torn ACL isn't the, the career blow that it was, you know, 20, 25 years ago, the science has come a long way, as has the recovery process. We're seeing guys come back, you know, sooner than ever. Colin Hill was a great example of that, although, you know, he maybe in, in hindsight came back a little bit too early. Nonetheless, you know, the future is still very bright for BC Johnson, as is the future for Warren Jackson. You hope that the future is bright for Clint Kubiak, the offense. Not a, not a great showing from Minnesota today, but they didn't play their ones. So, you know, you don't want to get too overreactionary when it comes to that new system with players that aren't even, you know, really going to be seeing the field all that much. And on that same, you know, line of thinking, you need to consider that when, you know, gauging the success that Denver had in this game, obviously, really, really good showing for the offense as a whole. The defense was dominant. Patrick Sertan, a, an absolute beast. Caden Stearns looked really good defensively. Javante Williams, I mean, if you're... If you're George Payton, this was basically best case scenario. Everybody was, you know, kind of panicking going into this game. Justin Fields looked really, really good for Chicago in his debut. Still, you know, could be a player that you regret, you know, drafting in the future. But this was probably best case scenario if you're in his shoes just looking at this game. Pat Sertan comes out. He gets a huge uh, pass breakup on a slant route. Really read it well. Obviously got a pick six where he just reads it all the way made it look really, really effortless. And then you have Drew Locke, who just absolutely comes out and lights it up. Five of seven on his passing attempts, throws a couple of touchdowns, one of which is an 80-yard bomb to KJ Hamler, where he just absolutely torches the secondary. Locke throws a beautiful deep ball, drops it right in his hands, hits him in stride, easy money touchdown. That's the type of stuff you see, and you're kind of drooling if you're a Broncos fan, because I think everybody recognizes that the ceiling with this team is much higher if Drew Locke pops. You know, Teddy Bridgewater, he looked good as well. 7 of 8, 74 yards, had a passing touchdown. Also had a rushing touchdown taken away by a pretty debatable legal hands to the face call. But he showed good awareness on it, showed escapability, showed, you know, some elusiveness. I think Locke's athleticism is far superior at this stage. You know, it's not Teddy Bridgewater coming out of Louisville. But it was good to see him play well. You know, I was a big Teddy Bridgewater fan while he was at Louisville. I liked what he did with the Vikings. You know, obviously was the rookie of the year there, led them to the playoffs, had that tragic injury. It was just good to see him come back, play well, 
you know, I, I'm rooting for the guy. I'm I'm rooting for Drew Locke to ultimately push through in that Broncos quarterback competition, but I do like Teddy Bridgewater a lot. Anyways, getting back on track, bringing it back to the CSU guys, uh, you know, I already mentioned that we do have to take some things with a grain of salt. The Vikings weren't playing their ones, but it was a really, really solid showing from both Adam Prentice and Josh Watson on, you know, opposite sides of the football. Adam Prentice as a fullback, Josh Watson as a linebacker. I assume most of you know that, but I figured I might as well throw it out there. Nonetheless, I was pretty surprised how many snaps Adam Prentice got. Almost any time the quarterback was under center, they were running a two-back look with Prentice as the fullback, and he really, really looked comfortable in that lead-blocking role, was flattening guys, pancaked multiple Vikings linebackers in the game. On Drew Locke's play-action touchdown pass to Trinity Benson, he rolled right. Prentice comes cutting over hard, And he kind of sells it well, runs a little bit of a pick. He knows he's not getting the ball there, but he has to make it look like he's, you know, still running a route. Throws a pick, buys Locke some time, and he's able to hit Benson in the end zone. It it just shows a high football IQ. I mean, it's a savvy, savvy play. Helps Denver extend the play. That's not something that's going to show up in the stat book, but it is something that's going to get highlighted by the coaching staff, especially when they go back and watch it on film. He's also going to get some props for his play on special teams. He had a lead block on a 63-yard kickoff return for Denver where, you know, if it wasn't for him, the guy would have got brought down about 25 yards sooner. Just a really, really solid showing from Adam overall. You know, going into camp, Warren Jackson was obviously the the former Ram on everybody's mind, but, you know, I've said it on the Broncos podcast, and I'll, I'll say it again here on, on the Rams podcast. I think there's a pretty good chance that, that Prentice ends up making the roster. I mean, He might end up being a practice squad guy when it's all said and done as well. And if that's the case, he's just got to be patient. But he's really showing some things here. He's showing a versatility. He's a better true blocker than Andrew Beck is. And I think that's probably who he's most in contention with. Beck is kind of like that hybrid fullback tight end role. But given that they have Noah Fant and Albert, uh, oh, I I don't want to butcher his last name. You know, they don't really need another pass-catching tight end. They kind of just need somebody to to succeed in that fullback role, and Prentice can do that really well. He's going to have to keep it up. Just given that the fullback isn't the commodity in the league that it used to be, he's going to have to be really consistent with his play over the next couple weeks in camp as well as the final two preseason games. But the thing that really encourages me, me about his his opportunity and his chances of, of making the roster is just the fact that he saw so many reps. You know, he played with the ones, he played with the twos and the threes, whether it was Rippin, Bridgewater, or Locke back there. He was, you know, the only guy serving in that fullback role. And he really, you know, from start to finish, had a pretty complete game. The lead blocks were awesome. And, and that's what anyone would expect from Adam Prentice. I mean, this dude is built like a statue. He's got muscle on top of muscle. <laughs> he could, he could definitely be the poster child for a protein deal. It's unfortunate that NIL wasn't a thing while he was with CSU. But again, you know, it, it was that savvy, savvy pick he ran that allowed Locke to to throw the touchdown to Trinity Benson that really stood out to me. And I think it's going to stand out to the coaching staff as well. And, you know, if there is a silver lining, Trinity Benson, he had a really, really good game. One of the reasons that Warren Jackson probably, you know, didn't stick around in Denver. But at least with that play specifically, it, it allowed Prentice to shine and you know, maybe one Ram didn't make the Broncos in the end, but another Ram will, and, and not necessarily the guy that everybody was expecting. But Adam Prentice, you know, really, really beloved as well. You know, a great, great guy, was recognized pretty consistently for the stuff that he did off the field, 
really, really active in the community, really, really active uh, with A Night to Shine, which is an organization put on by Tim Tebow that holds prom events for teenage students with disabilities. It's really, really cool. So Prentice is just a great dude. I mean, he's really easy to root for. And he had a great game today. And it, it was also a really solid showing from Josh Watson at linebacker. Inside linebacker is one of the positions that Denver is most thin at. It's, again, another reason why Warren probably didn't make it. They signed a linebacker after they cut him. Maybe, you know, this allows Josh Watson to thrive if he beats out this guy. Played pretty well. You know, he looked pretty comfortable in pass coverage, had a pass breakup, was active in special teams a couple of different times as a gunner, was able to come down and and make a tackle on the kickoff. Just doing the dirty work, doing the little things, and that's what you want to see. They even mentioned it, you know, on the broadcast that Watson was kind of standing out and probably a guy that Denver's going to want to consider keeping just given the the question marks. Baron Browning, not sure if he's going to end up panning out an inside linebacker, maybe more of an edge type guy, but he got hurt early in camp. Josie Jewell, he's been consistently hurt throughout his career. A.J. Johnson's had some trouble staying on the field as well at times. And because of that, you know, Josh Watson, a guy who saw some action for Denver last season, you know, maybe you do keep him around. He had three tackles today, which, you know, just looking at the stats, not terrific, but he was consistently in position. You know, when I'm watching these games, I'm especially looking for guys that I'm most, you know, interested in. And obviously today, you know, really locked in on Josh Watson, really locked in on Adam Prentice. I mean, I was I was locked in on some of these other guys as well. The quarterback situation, you know, I wanted to see how Passer Tan looked, Stearns, a lot of the rookies and Overall, it was just a really solid showing for the Broncos and a really solid showing for these former CSU Rams. And we'll have to monitor the situation over the next couple of weeks. But things are are looking pretty good as far as Josh Watson and Adam Prentice potentially, you know, sticking around and making the team. All right, let's move on and talk about the college basketball schedule releases. But before we do, everyone's favorite time of year is right around the corner, college football season. To celebrate DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app is putting the new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly when you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard me right. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. They've already got lines up for the week zero week games and week one matchups. Highly recommend you go check it out. Just head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Check out all the great promotions. They've got daily odds boosts that they're offering. And remember, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable. Located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, I'm going to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. And I've really been diving into some of these future bets on DraftKings Sportsbook, looking at the regular season win totals. And one of the ones that really jumps out to me is UNLV. Their over-under is only set at one and a half. You can take the under at minus 115 or the over at minus 105. And, you know, UNLV, they're they're going to struggle this year. It's going to be a long season. But they've got Charles Williams coming back. He's one of the most explosive running backs in the conference. They've got Eastern Washington on the schedule, UTSA. And, you know, I, I'm just inclined to think they're able to pick up two wins. 
I feel pretty good about that. You know, they don't have to be great. They only have to win two. They lose that opener against Eastern Washington could get a little bit tough because after that they play Arizona State and Iowa State, a big reason why they're, you know, drastic underdogs in basically every game that they play this year. But again, two wins, you know, maybe you pull one out against Utah State. You know, they're obviously going to play hard against Nevada. New Mexico is going to be unproven with their quarterback situation. Ultimately, I just feel good that they're able to pull two wins out of that situation. So that is my DraftKings pick of the week. I'm going to lock it in, and I recommend that you do as well. All right, let's talk some hoops. We have a full schedule for CSU women's basketball, and we have the conference schedule for CSU men's basketball. Their non-conference schedule should be completed soon. Kind of looking for one more big whale to just round things out. Uh, But starting with the women's team, they're going to open on November 3rd in Fort Collins against Shadron State. After that, you got a healthy local schedule with Colorado Christian and Northern Colorado both coming to town. Oral Roberts comes before Denver plays before they play their first road game on November 18th at DU. They return to Fort Collins to host Lipscomb on November 24th. But the big one, the game that everybody should be excited for, on November 28th, Louisville comes to Fort Collins. Really, really surprising that CSU was able to pull that one out. They were a top 10 team last year. Should be a really exciting opportunity for college basketball fans. After that, they keep it up with the Arizona State Tournament before hosting Weber State and CSU Pueblo and uh, a final trip to Northern Illinois before breaking into conference play. You know, looking at the non-conference slate as a whole, not super overwhelming, but I think it makes sense. You got to remember, it's a completely different scheduling strategy for CSU women's basketball than it is for the men's team. For the women's team, if you don't win the Mountain West, it doesn't matter if you go 31-1. and You're probably not going to make the NCAA tournament, really the conference winner, whoever wins the Mountain West tournament in Vegas. Traditionally, they're going to be the only Mountain West team in the NCAA field. And because of that, you know, non-conference play, it's really about figuring things out and kind of figuring out your team identity, figuring out what your everybody's roles are going to be, what your rotation is going to look like. And then you just kind of want to iron it out. I do like that Louisville is coming because it's a good opportunity to square off against elite talent. You know, they've shown a willingness to do it before. They went up to Washington and played there when Kelsey Plum was there. It was kind of brutal, but I mean, it's good to go up against top talent. It creates excitement in your program. Hopefully it's going to get, you know, some butts in the seats. Because this is this was a team that, you know, played pretty well last year. They returned a lot of talent. There's, you know, reason to believe that Ryan Williams has this program trending in the right direction again. And I'm pretty excited to see where they can go. After that game against Northern Illinois on December 21st, they open up conference play at home against Boise State. Boise State kind of been CSU's nemesis, at least when it comes to the Mountain West Tournament over the years. They just always seem to win. I don't I don't know what it is about that Mountain West Tournament format, but they've really, really, really dominated over the last decade. After that, another tough game uh, with a trip to San Diego State, followed up by a trip to Fresno State. San Jose State comes to town before a nice little homestand against Air Force in New Mexico. Another road trip after that with Utah State and Boise State, trip to Nevada, a trip to New Mexico, and then a, a game at Air Force. That's going to be deceptively a, a tough little stretch there with games in Logan, in Boise, home against Nevada, who's been good the last couple of years, and then a trip to New Mexico, who's always good. It, it's really tough to play in the pit. I mean, it's tough to play there in the men's game. It, it's also brutal to play there on the women's side. They have one of the better home court advantages in all of college basketball. Always fun to see how it shakes, shapes out. Excited that they're uh, that they're coming to town as well. You know, that's not the team that CSU only plays once. 
After that game at Air Force on February 5th, they host Utah State, travel to San Jose State. They host Wyoming before traveling to Nevada. And then you've got San Diego State and UNLV at home before you close out the regular season at Wyoming. Closing out with the border war, never easy. Probably going to be a big game in terms of seeding conference implications going into Vegas. Wyoming, another one of those teams, much like Boise State, it doesn't really matter how they start the season when it comes to playing in the postseason, when it comes to Mountain West tournament time, they're always ready to roll. And they're another fan base that travels really well. You know, I, I'm not throwing any shade there at CSU fans, but Wyoming fans, you know, they, they travel really well for that Mountain West tournament. I'd like to see a little bit more green in Vegas, especially this year, you know, with the men's team going to be awesome and the women's team, you know, things are looking up as well. Let's flip things over. Let's talk about the men's basketball conference slate. Again, the non-conference schedule is not official at this point. We do know a lot of the opponents that they are going to play. They open on the road at New Mexico. Again, this is non-conference play on Tuesday, December 28th. Never, never easy to open at the pit. What's interesting is they actually, they're off the following Saturday before playing Air Force at home, then traveling to Boise State. So after their first road trip, they get a little bit of rest. They get time to go over film, really assess things before they kind of get into the heart of conference play because they don't have any bye weeks after that for about a month, really more like six weeks because it's mid-February. But um, again, you know, so they open on the road at New Mexico. They have the bye week. Then they host Air Force, travel to Boise State. That's, that's a tough way to open, but it's not brutal. You know, expectations for CSU are pretty high. I like that you don't have to open because they actually they close with a brutal slate, and we'll get to that in a second. After Utah State at home, you travel to San Jose State. San Jose State, they are only playing once. Unfortunate, you know, it would have been cool to get the Tim Miles reunion in Moby Arena. That hasn't happened yet. We haven't yet had a CSU team play a Tim Miles-led team. We will get that this year, but we won't get it in Moby Arena where the Ram faithful could you know, give them a bunch of love. It would have been fun for storylines. It'll still be a fun game, but it just, the atmosphere will will be much dimmer in San Jose than it would have been at Moby Arena. After that, you got New Mexico at home before going to Air Force. Big home game stretch with Nevada and UNLV. Gotta win both of those games. And then it, things get really, really tough in February. On Tuesday, February 1st, you've got to go to Wyoming. Always a tough game, no matter how good they are. You got San, San Diego State at home game at Nevada. Again, they're expected to be one of the best teams in the conference with Grant Sherfield coming back. You host Fresno State. You only play them once as well. You don't travel to Fresno State this year. You got a bye week on February 15th and then just an absolute gauntlet to end the season at UNLV, home against Wyoming, at Utah State, at San Diego State, home against Boise State. So a really, really fierce competition down the line for CSU to close out the year. But, you know, that that's not necessarily the worst thing. You want to play good teams, you know, going into when things matter most. You know, if you win all those games and get on a big winning streak, you don't want to get too high going into, into postseason and, you know, for the, the lack of a better term, like blow your wad prematurely. But, you know, it is good to shape up against good competition. And ultimately, you know, if expectations are high, if the Rams are going to reach the heights that we all think they're capable of, they're going to have to beat some good teams. You know, they're going to play a pretty hard non-conference schedule. The Mountain West is always a tough slate when it comes to basketball. You know, really in general, I think it's become more of a, a basketball-heavy conference over the last half decade. Football may, you know, pay the bills. It may, you know, create the most ad revenue. But I just think in terms of a competitive standpoint, top to bottom, 
it's been a really, really good hoops league over the last, you know, half decade, even before that. But there's just a couple of down years, you know, kind of in between. But things are things are looking up. I'm really excited for basketball season, really, really excited for football season as well. But more than anything, man, I'm just excited for sports to be back and to, to have an opportunity to watch these teams compete and have the fans be in the stands. It's it's going to be great. You know, I think very likely that fans are going to have to wear masks. There's now a mandate, you know, that in, in order to participate in in-person media coverage, reporters are going to have to be fully vaccinated, going to have to wear masks indoors. And, you know, ultimately, you know, regardless of what people's opinions are, I think that's fine. You know, we want to do this safely. And, you know, we, we've already asked a lot of these student athletes to, to sacrifice in the past. And, you know, if the fans have to wear masks, if they've got to socially distance, you know, on the concourse and things like that, I think it's probably a small price to pay for the opportunity to be back in the stands. Because as, as much as I was excited to have any college football, to have something to watch last fall, it just wasn't the same. And, you know, it, it'll forever kill me that there were no fans in the stands in Canvas Stadium when CSU beat Wyoming. That was such a fun game. And I mean, the crowd would have just gone absolutely wild, especially with the way that things started. I mean, just starting things off with a pick six and then getting a strip sack immediately after and meet just going up, you know, double digits right out of the gate. It would have been rocking. It would have been electric all night. And it's a shame that it didn't happen. So, you know, this year, if, if, you know, people have to wear masks, if, if that's what it takes for canvas stadium to be rocking for Moby arena, to be rocking for volleyball, for the basketball teams, for and even the soccer team, you know, get over there. They don't have stands, but get over to their games. So be it. You all know, you know, I, I try not to get too political on here. I'm not trying to alienate anyone. And honestly, my opinion on this doesn't even come from political preference. You know, it, it just stems down to I'm pro college sports. I want to have college sports and I want to have college sports with fans in the stands. So I'm going to comply. I'm going to do what it takes to be able to par- participate in something that I love. And I think, you know, ultimately that's probably going to be what a lot of people are, you know, some people there, they'll gladly get the vaccination. They'll gladly wear masks. It doesn't bother them anyway. So they're not even going to think twice. Other people, you know, maybe they're against it. I guess that would be my advice to you. You know, I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm not trying to tell you how you should feel, but I guess I would just ask you, how bad do you want to go to college football games? And for me, the answer is really, really high. Like I, I freaking love college football. I love college basketball. And I, I know that a lot of you do too. So that's what I'm going to leave you with. Again, going to record another podcast tonight. Uh, might not be immediately after this, but I'm going to get it up as well. Just kind of talking about the fall camp today, and we'll kind of talk about some takeaways moving forward and things to look out for uh, on the defensive side. I've been meaning to do that for a couple days now. Thank you to everybody that continues to listen to the podcast. Thank you to everybody that reads the written content. Now is an awesome time to become a DNVR member. You can uh, get an annual subscription, and you're going to get a $60 gift card back to the DNVR locker. So we're literally giving you more in, you know, merchandise than what you're actually paying for your subscription. It's a banger of a deal. Take advantage of it while you can. All right. That's all we have for this portion, this episode of the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. Hope everybody has a wonderful rest of their weekend, start of their week, whenever you may be listening to this. Y'all make my dreams come true. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water, together make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be.